millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When there are an infinite amount of female struggles, you decide to do a podcast about them. Emma Jo, Real Davis, and in each episode of this podcast, I take a subject by the horns and rip it to shreds. This is the podcast that isn't afraid to talk about any struggle you've had as a woman, from struggling with your body image. You do get some people commenting, saying, like, you look like a man and women shouldn't look like this. And actually, I love it when I've got a six pack. To wondering whether marriage is the right thing for you. To say that I'm committing myself to you for the rest of my life until my last breath... That just seems like a really stupid thing to say. So even having a cervical smear test. I need to yeah. take my trousers and my knickers off. Yeah. Ooh. Let me know if it hurts. Oh, blimey. That wasn't the end of the world. And that's it. Done. Oh my gosh, is that it? I'm in shock at how easy it was. This is The Female Struggle Is Real. As if we're on to episode eight now. Hello and welcome to The Female Struggle Is Real. Uh, I'm Emma Jo Real Davis. Thank you so much for joining me. And uh, in this episode, we are talking all things beauty. So many things in this podcast you're going to hopefully love, uh, including a little bit of a giveaway, which I'll tell you more about in a minute. So I'm going to be speaking to Jill Burke, who is a senior lecturer at the University of Edinburgh. And she knows all things to do with the history of beauty, because I really want to get to the bottom of like when this whole beauty and women craze started. Why is it a thing that primarily women um, care about beauty treatments? One of the historical beauty treatments was uh, a little bit out there. Then you put it on your body, then wash it off quickly before your flesh comes off. What we do to uh, try and be beautiful, eh? So I'm going to be speaking to Jill a little bit later on in the podcast. I'm also exceedingly excited because I'm going to be chatting to Wendy Rowe. Now, Wendy uh, is an internationally famous makeup artist. She has done so many famous people's makeup. It's actually ridiculous. She's got some absolutely brilliant stories as well, uh, including a story to do with this. Yours! Oh my God, so good to hear that. You are going to absolutely love that story. And also, she might have had an encounter with this lady. Oh, 
Yes, doesn't that make you want to just stop everything and go home and watch Moulin Rouge like straight away? Um, yes, so I've got the fabulous Wendy Rowe on the podcast a little bit later. So also, obviously, because the podcast is all about beauty, I thought I ought to try out um, a new treatment that's going around at the moment. So I'm going to get my eyebrows microbladed, um, which I'm really excited about, but also terrified uh, just because if I'm perfectly honest, I don't actually know what microblading is. Um, <laughs> I've just sort of seen it's a trend. So I thought, all right, why not? So um, you're going to hear a little bit of that as well. Just a reminder that you can email the podcast with literally anything you want to chat about. Um, if you've got a particular topic you're passionate about that you think I should speak about or you want to comment on anything that we've chatted about in the podcast, please send me an email. Uh, it's thefemalestruggle at gmail.com. You can tweet me as well, which is exciting because I love it when I get little tweets about uh, when you're listening to the podcast and where you are in the world as well. Because, you know, the podcast isn't just in the UK. It's uh, worldwide. <laughs> um, so my Twitter is at Davis. Speaking of which, I've decided I'm going to do this new bit on the podcast. Um, I don't know why I haven't done it before, really, where um, I shout out the people that listen because uh, it's so lovely, like I've already said, when I get your messages. So Laura Sullivan, you absolute babe, thank you for tweeting me this week. When are you releasing a new podcast? I've listened to the others two times over. You absolute babe, that means the world to me. So thank you so much for listening um, and I hope you've enjoyed it. Also to Megan Elliott, who listens religiously every time I release a new podcast um, and then puts me on her Instagram story and shares it with all her followers. Uh, Megan, you're a babe. Thank you so much for doing that. And finally, uh, to Holly Rachel, who, can you believe, is listening all the way from Queensland in Australia. You absolute legend. Holly tweeted me uh, not long ago saying, your latest podcast on sexual assault was amazing. I felt so moved by it. I'm actually going to feature it in my monthly favourites on my blog. Um, Holly, thank you so, so much. Like I've already said, it just means so much to me that you're listening and you're enjoying it and you're you're gaining something from it. So thank you so much to everyone who listens. Uh, send me a little tweet and I'll give you a shout out. Yay. But I know this is the most exciting bit of the podcast. So obviously we have to talk about it. The giveaway. Yes. Just clapping on my own, guys. Join me. Woo. Okay. Now that we've had a little dance, (laughs) I'm ready to tell you about the giveaway. This is really, really exciting. I have got so many beauty things in this amazing package for you. Um, We've got a birch box in there, which I'm so excited about. You know, birch box is like that monthly subscription service where you get loads of little beauty things uh, in a box each month. It's really, really cool. Sorry, I'm still out of breath from dancing to Cool and the Gang. (laughs) Um, I need to compose myself. Um, We've got a load of Schwarzkopf stuff in there as well. Some taming mousse, some curling cream, a load of Tresemme stuff, um, some beautiful Crabtree and Evelyn hand creams and some body butter. I've got some really lovely Kiss false eyelashes um, with the glue, of course, as well. And some fake nails, which I'm so jealous of because they're so cool. There's so much stuff in it. If you haven't seen the picture yet, um, it will pop up on Acast now. Um, Get to my Twitter at MJRealDavis to see the whole array of wonderful products you could win. Now to enter, this is the important bit. So hopefully it should be really, really easy for you to enter. All you have to do is write a review of this podcast on iTunes. So go to the podcast app on your phone. uh, Search for The Female Struggle Is Real if you uh, haven't subscribed already. Obviously click on it and then scroll down past all the episodes to where it says ratings and reviews. 
So at this point, I'm not going to ask you to uh, give me a five-star review or whatever. Obviously, that would just be a bit like pathetic. Um, I just want an honest review. Genuinely, if you think it's rubbish and you only want to give it one star, that's absolutely fine. Um, if you, you know, think it's middle of the road, average, bit boring, uh, you know, give it a three, whatever you think. Um, you don't really have to write much. Just write whatever you feel about this podcast. All I ask is that in your review, you put your Instagram or Twitter handle. Um, I just need this literally so I can find you if you win the giveaway. So the giveaway is obviously open now and um, it will close on Saturday the 24th of February, which is my birthday, at midnight. So if you're listening to the podcast after that date, Saturday the 24th of February at midnight, then I'm afraid uh, the giveaway is now closed. So please do not enter. If you are one of those extremely kind people um, that has already written a review for this podcast on iTunes, do not panic um, because there is still a way for you to enter the giveaway. Go to my Twitter and all you have to do is retweet my pinned tweet. However, you can't enter that way um, if you haven't written an iTunes review already. Um, The thing is, my little baby podcast is obviously fairly new and very small. So it only has a few iTunes reviews. So I know who has written a review and who hasn't. It would be extremely helpful to me um, if you did write a review. And obviously, it means you could be winning all of that beauty stuff as well. Again, if you've got an Android phone, it's the same for you as well. Please go and retweet my pinned tweet. Okay, so let's crack on with the podcast. I thought if I'm going to do a podcast about beauty, we need to start right at the beginning. Why is it that primarily women wear makeup. Why don't men wear makeup? I've never understood it. I've never got it. Even when I was little, I was always like, why is it a thing that women are able to beautify themselves and put foundation on and cover all their spots? And yet, you know, if a teenage boy went to school um, with bright orange concealer on one of his white heads, like we've all done as girls, then he'd get bullied. Like, that doesn't seem right. So I'm going to speak now to uh, Jill Burke. Uh, Jill is a senior lecturer at the University of Edinburgh. Hello, Jill. Hello. So what I really want to get to the bottom of, Jill, is when did this like obsession with kind of being beautiful and makeup and everything start? Um, well, very, very early in history, as far as we know, there's certainly um, recipes for cosmetics that go back to ancient Egypt. Um, there's evidence of things like um, eyeliner uh, from that period. And it seems to go right through um, written history uh, as far as we, we know it. Though so emphasis on, on what means, uh, what beauty means changes. So, it might be, say, in the Italian Renaissance, you don't have things like mascara or eyeliner, for example, and it's all about having beautiful white skin and rosy cheeks and things like that. So was it specifically just women or was it men as well? Or at what stage do kind of women take over wearing makeup and it becomes sort of a weird thing for men to wear? Right. Again, that changes depending on the period you're looking at. Certainly, um, you start to get an association between women and beauty um, that's very, very um, uh, close in the 16th century. So in the 15th century, there's evidence that men really care about things like having shapely legs and making sure their hair is beautiful and curled. And then they start to get increasing criticism um, for this around the early 16th century. Um, So in this really famous um, book, Castellino's Courtier, um, he he starts to criticise men women are curling their hair for caring too much it's not manly and it's around this time that you see um, a lot of printed books aimed at women um, that give them recipes to um, improve uh, the way they look in, in various different ways. 
So when you say recipes, what what does that mean? What does that entail? Well, um, most cosmetics um, in this period, in the pre-modern period, are either made at home with recipes, like the kind of recipes that you might get in in girls' magazines, this kind of thing. Um, So you would get recipes for things like uh, to keep your um, skin white and clear, and that might include what we think of as an exfoliant, so something like oatmeal or something like that. Or you can take um, these books to apothecaries, to chemists, and get them to make up recipes for you. And that's often when there's more complicated ingredients that you might not have in the kitchen. Um, so they use a big range of ingredients, from things like, um, say, flour or rose oil or violet oil is very big, right up to um, expensive ingredients like ground-up mummies and things like that that they use, Egyptian mummies. Oh, my gosh, um, that's weird. Oh, I know, really strange things. <laughs> or, or pearls they use. Or, so a big range of things that you might use to try and beautify yourself. Oh, wow. Um, And I know you've mentioned as well that they had um, sort of really particular ways of like removing body hair and stuff. Yeah, this is really big. This gets really big Um, around the first half of the 16th century where women start to be really concerned with removing their body hair. Um, And the typical recipe for that is um, a mixture of arsenic and quicklime. Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) That doesn't sound very safe. No, it's not. At all, no, it's not at all safe. So you mix it together in, um, and then you put it on your body, and then you wait for an amount of time. So one recipe says, say, uh, five Hail Marys, and then it says, wash it off quickly before your flesh comes off. Oh my God, that is mm-hmm. uh, that is terrifying. Thank God we don't do that now. Well, I don't know because feet is you know that kind of thing is quite similar. Really, it just burns the hair off. It's just a very alkaline. Uh, recipe that burns the hair off and if you left that on that could could give you a nasty burn as well so yeah that is true I have heard horror stories about people putting um, you know self-waxing kits in the microwave and then really giving themselves terrible burns because of the wax so I suppose that's true actually so in a way it's weird because it's like not that much has changed it's actually really scary looking at some of these sources because you think my word I recognize this and a lot of it is it's kind of framed in a language of empowering women by saying, you know, you can look more beautiful and you can, um, you know, attract your your husband or keep your man. Um, but in fact, it's doing it in a way that's kind of simultaneously saying, you know, your responsibility, your, it's your responsibility to keep men faithful and it's your fault if they stray and this kind of thing. So basically in the Renaissance, beauty was almost used as a way to, to find a partner and, and find a man and sort of hold him down almost. Definitely and explicitly so. So um, there's a text, uh, which is the first book of beauty um, that we know about. It's called uh, um, On the Adornment of Women by a man called Giovanni Marinello. And that opens with a section on how to remove body hair. And he says uh, there, um, this is for you, lovely ladies, because um, if your husbands choose to find another woman, it's down to your fetid and stinking skin. Really? That's so mean. (laughs) It's a charmer. (laughs) And that book was really popular and translated into French and German. So what, what is so wrong with body hair? I don't understand. Why didn't they like it? Well... Everything in the pre-modern uh, world uh, to do with the body in, in Europe is associated with the humoral system. Um, that means that the body is thought to have four humours, being you have to have a balance between them. Um, women are humorally colder and wetter, and men are hotter and drier, and it's the heat that they think pushes out hair. So 
So they associate hairiness with masculinity um, because that's the right balance of humours. And they say that if a woman is hairy, she's kind of argumentative and um, <laughs> masculine. And so it's to do with the whole kind of idea of what femininity should be like. Oh my gosh, it's absolutely fascinating. Yeah. In terms of, you know, beauty, what could you absolutely mm-hmm. not live without in this day and age? Oh, in terms of like beauty products? Yeah, like beauty products, you know, beauty treatments, anything. Oh, goodness. Mascara, I think. I feel really like something in my life has gone wrong if I don't have mascara. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. That's something you shouldn't admit to. I just feel like undressed without mascara. Um, And what about women in the Renaissance? What could they absolutely not live without? Oh, um, rouge. Like things that make your cheeks red and your face white. So like the equivalent... They don't have mascara, so there isn't any Renaissance mascara. Oh, really? So you couldn't have lived in the Renaissance then, Jill? (laughs) Yeah, I know. It would be awful. It would be dreadful for me. Oh, well, thank you so, so much for um, chatting to me today. It's absolutely fascinating. Um, I'm not going to go anywhere near arsenic, though. No, don't really. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I think don't try that one at home. Yes. Body hair is very much intact and all fine. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to go there. What a job it must be to research beauty treatments and recipes um, in the Renaissance age. So cool. Thank you so much to the lovely um, Jill Burke, who is a senior lecturer at the University of Edinburgh. So it's not quite um, burning off my body hair and flesh with arsenic, um, but I recently tried a new beauty treatment, microblading. Um, When I went along to my appointment, I had no idea what the treatment even was. But in the interest of the podcast, you know, I was up for anything. Uh, So I went along and met Henny Swain, who is a semi-permanent makeup artist based in Romsey. Um, And this is how I got on. I'm currently with Henny at the moment. And Henny, you're about to do my eyebrows. What am I having done? Can you explain to me what it actually is? So today you're having microblading. You fill in your brows with natural hair strokes. Um, It's semi-permanent makeup, so... I'd recommend a top-up after a year, um, but it's just going to look really natural. Fill in the brows, make them look nicer. <laughs> okay, cool. And I, So I've just filmed in my um, my forms about, like, do I have any diseases and stuff, yeah, no, which, um, <laughs> well, I kind of get used to it because you have to do it when you have a massage yeah, and even yeah. stuff like that. It's like the normal thing to do, isn't it? But it has to be done. Um, and what are you currently doing to my eyebrows right now? Because you have like a little cotton buzz in your hand and you're sort of rubbing them with something. So at the moment I'm putting numbing cream on. Um, that'll be on your brows for about 20 minutes. So you won't be able to feel anything while I'm actually tattooing your brows on. Um, yeah, you've got to leave that for a good 20 minutes. Just have a cup of tea, chill out and uh, yeah. It's a nice tingly feeling. It is, isn't it? It kind of feels really cold and weird, doesn't it? Yeah. I tattooed mine on last weekend. I tattooed my eyebrows on myself, so I know exactly how you're feeling right now. It goes a bit cold, a bit tingly, but it just helps. When I'm tattooing them on, you won't be able to feel anything. So, yeah, it's really good. It's good stuff. (laughs) So what actually is microblading? Because it sounds like, no offence, but it does sound a bit scary because it's got the word blade in it and you're a bit like... (gasps) I know. So microblading... It's literally, if you can imagine a pen, like it's like a hand tool, like a pen, and on the end it comes with a, a blade, a tiny little blade, it's very small, and um, you basically use that and you create hair strokes. They're really fine, fine little lines you're tattooing into your eyebrow, um, and then obviously the pigment goes into that line, and it creates hair strokes. Um, you can use a tattooing machine as well, but I don't use it, I use the tool which I'll be using today. Um, so it doesn't make a noise. It's not like a tattoo, like when you get a tattoo. Um, and it just looks so much more natural. And it's just like 
the end result is amazing. So is it like, because with the tattoo, is it that um, it cuts into the skin deeper and the ink's much deeper into the skin? Is yeah, that the difference? exactly, exactly it. Um, you only go into two layers of your skin with microblading. So if you saw on a chart how many layers of skin you got, it, you're literally cutting the tiniest little lines into your eyebrows. Um, so it's not that deep, but that's why it's semi-permanent. It's not permanent, you're not going to have black lines on your eyebrows for 50 years. I would recommend a top-up every year. Um, it's different for everyone though. You might find in six months you need a top up. You might find in two years you'd like a top up. It just depends on you and like your lifestyle, your skin. If you sweat a lot, if you've got oily skin. I do sweat a lot. Do you? Yeah. Oh, you might find that they fade a lot quicker then. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> God. I'm never going to go to the gym again. Oh, no. Exactly. If you go to the gym a lot, you're sweating a lot, so it like, pushes the ink out and. Nightmare. We'll find it, though, won't we? <laughs> Give it six months, then we'll, Yeah. We'll see see how much I actually there. exercise. But I know. It's, it's amazing, though, what you can do with microblading. It's really it's amazing. I trust you, Henny. You can trust me, Emma. <laughs> So are my eyebrows like a, you know, in terms of shape and stuff? Face, actually, you've got really nice big eyes and your eyebrows are actually a perfect shape. How did you do this? I don't know, but I'm so flattered. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, they are really nice. This one's just got loads more hairs in it. One hairy brow and one oh. little baby one. But Sisters, not twins. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> what do you use when you normally fill them in? So I use Anastasia Beverly Hills. So do I, Goddess. Yeah. I just love your eyebrows. Oh, <laughs> I just wish that they were mine. I've never had so many compliments about my eyebrows. Yeah, well, this is amazing. I guess no one's ever been so close to them and looking at them yes, in so, so much detail. No, I get so close to people every day. It's like, <laughs> hope uh, you don't mind. Oh, no, that's fine. I mean, if you've had a bikini wax, you feel like all the barriers have been... Wow, I've never had one. What? Have you? Oh, my God. Yes, I, I, I've, I've had, like, loads. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't know if you I can do that. That's so funny. Do you know what? I love this about beauty people. I know. Because, I don't do any of it myself. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely hilarious because some, some treatments they'll absolutely love will have done it a hundred times on themselves and yeah. not feel any pain. Yeah. And then other ones, they'll be like, oh, no. Oh, no, I couldn't do that. Oh, no. <laughs> It's just the whole thought. I don't know. So you've done some little lines in and stuff, some some shape. Oh no, that's amazing! (gasps) Look. I think um, the shape looks good. You've just got really nice eyebrows. I sound like a bit of a creep saying that. (laughs) You complimented your eyebrows, (laughs) but uh, they look good, honestly. I'm so pleased. All I've ever wanted is Cara Delevingne brows. Well, I feel like you're you're like halfway there. Like you have got. That's good though. Happy medium. Or maybe today we create the perfect brows for you. So, like, again, I know you said this, but it does look quite scary now, doesn't it? Because... It's scary, yeah. Because, um... Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
you've obviously like drawn on like your sort of template it's just the outline outline it's with a really yeah. dark pen so it's not how you'd obviously naturally fill your brows in but it's just for me so when you're led down and I'm tattooing them on I'm not doing it freehand I'm I've got a shape to follow are you happy with them Henny I think I want to make this one a bit longer perfect yeah I love them already oh brilliant <laughs> okay great Right, if you want to lay down, get nice oh and comfy. Oh gosh, this is a scary bed. You'll be fine. Don't worry. Right, so I'm just laying down this little bed. Oh, just get comfy. You comfy? Yes. Okay, I'm just lifting the bed up so you get really nice and close to me, basically, until okay. I'm bent over you. So can I fall asleep at this stage? Yeah, if you want to. Okay. I have had people fall asleep at me before. So be honest, Tenny, is this bit going to hurt now? No. I think you'll be honestly surprised at how much it doesn't hurt. Okay. You can almost feel someone's touching your eyebrows, like the pressure from it. You can't actually feel it. Okay. Hopefully, anyway. Again, everyone's different. I'm going to close my eyes because I don't want to see the thing. Definitely close your eyes, that's fine. And this is what it's going to feel like. Is that okay? Oh my god, is that it? (laughs) Yeah. It just feels like someone's got a pencil. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Oh, good. Okay, so you don't think it hurts. Is that okay? Oh my god, that's absolutely fine. Is that what it's like the whole time? I think everyone gets so nervous and works himself up about it, which fair enough. But when you actually get it done, it's really not that bad. There is just no pain. But I guess, like you keep saying, everyone is different. So yeah, now I'm going to go in with the ink. Ooh. Do a few little hair strokes. No going back. No going back now. Just again, just tell me if it hurts. So it doesn't make a noise or anything. It's just like it doesn't. You wouldn't even know you're having it done. I know, it's mad. It's, it, I just think it's really clever. I know, it's so good. It literally feels like someone's just drawing on my face with a biro. Good. So it must be quite a challenge if, like, someone comes in and say they've got either really pale eyebrows or virtually no eyebrows. I guess, like, ladies that have, like, lost, lost their hair or whatever yeah. or if they've got alopecia. So I actually find it easier working with people with either no eyebrows or very little there because you can see every hair strip that you're doing and you create a brand new shape all these beauty treatments and stuff now they've become such a trend haven't they yeah but it it must be so cool to make someone just feel like they've suddenly had a new burst of confidence yeah definitely i think um like microblading is now becoming a really big thing and i think it's for people like us it is vanity it saves us time it makes even me feel a lot more confident with no makeup on because I've actually got eyebrows. Someone that has nothing there, and then you can actually create eyebrows that look so natural with no hair on the top or anything. It just, yeah, it's amazing. How's it feeling? It feels absolutely fine. It's nowhere near as bad as like an injection or yeah. a blood test or anything like that at all. Because I thought it was going to be like a full-on tattoo gun thing. Yeah, like, like a drilling noise. noise. Yeah, like ink everywhere. And I was like, ah. <laughs> what I've actually done is it's called the slug effect. So okay. on a cotton bud, I've dipped it into the ink and I've covered your eyebrow in it. Mm-hmm. So this one looks crazy. You can actually open your eyes if you like and look into the mirror. This isn't how dark they're going to be. Oh! <laughs> Don't worry. That's not, oh, what, God. That's not what they're going to look like. So I'll show you in a minute. Oh, when, I wipe off. Don't. when you wipe this off, you'll be like, oh. Oh, so you 
Yeah. Make all the cuts. Yeah. And then you put the ink all over it so it seeps into the cuts and then you yeah. wipe it off. Is Go that what you do? Go on the brow and then oh. I'll wipe all of that off. And oh, just okay. It's absolutely hilarious. I've got one that is literally like a black <laughs> line. Like it does literally <laughs> look like yeah. a slug has crawled up my face. Slug effect, yeah. <laughs> Why do you think, Ben Henny, that um, like beauty treatments have become such a thing sort of more recently? Like obviously they've always been a thing and like women have always cared about what they look like and, you know, put some lippy on and everything. But recently... It's it's just become absolutely insane, hasn't it? And there's so many beauty bloggers out there now, like reviewing yeah. makeup products and yeah. stuff. Maybe that's it. Maybe it is the beauty bloggers and like the YouTube world, all of that. Because I've been so into YouTube, watching all of the videos for ages now, and that's only really what would you say, like the past few yeah, years, like, like just social media. It's like it's a big thing now, isn't it? But brows have always been a thing, haven't they? I think with, like, I know I keep going on about it, but Cara Delevingne, I mean, yes. she was, she's basically famous because of her eyebrows, isn't yeah. she? her eyebrows are amazing. And um, I think she's really started the the, the new eyebrow trend, because obviously the in the 90s, it was all the whole... I know. ...absolute plucking. Yeah. So because you're a... Can I call you a beautician? Are you a beautician? Um, you know what? What would I... I, I would say I'm a cosmetic... Eyebrowologist. Oh, yeah, because that's all I do, <laughs> just brows and eyeliner. I don't do it. So maybe not... A, uh, co- cosmetic tattoo artist. Okay, nice. That's maybe yes. the word. Okay, semi-permanent makeup artist. Well, that, yeah, that's exactly yes. actually. Why didn't I say that before? I don't. It's, in, <laughs> yeah. it's in the title. I was going to say Henny Swain, semi-permanent makeup. makeup. Yeah, that's the one. Um, because of that, though, do you feel like pressure for for yourself to sort of look beautiful all the time? I think people will come in and look at you and expect you to look a certain way do you know what I mean yeah so but yeah definitely um some days I wish I could just come in with no makeup on and not really care but people might look at me and think why would I want her to do my eyebrows but I guess that is the beauty of semi-permanent makeup isn't it because you can just have it done it lasts for a couple of years you don't have to bother in the mornings and stuff because you you did say it's a huge thing it saves you so much time so much time in the morning so the slug effect is now on both my brows yeah it looks really good oh god i'm so excited can we take a photo yeah we'll take a photo i can make them look extra sluggy if you like i just want to you know document my eyebrow journey yeah i i understand (laughs) with extra slugginess (laughs) it's a big journey wow they look good i'm gonna send this picture to my mum and my boyfriend it'd be like Guys, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> Got my brows done. <laughs> oh my God, it's brilliant. They, 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 they suit you. Yeah, so I think my mum and my boyfriend were um, a little bit shocked when I showed them photos of the slug effect. But obviously that is just a stage in the microblading process. So thank you so much to Henny Swain. Uh, her semi-permanent makeup business is on Facebook, so check her out. So I don't know if you're like this, but sometimes I'll, you know, get a train up to London and I'll be sat on the train and some beautiful woman will be sitting opposite me with the most flawless makeup you've ever seen in your life. And I'm just like, how on earth did you achieve it? And, uh, you know, I watch all the YouTubers, I watch all the vloggers, and yet still I cannot perfect makeup. I find it so, so difficult. And I really admire anyone that... um really does like manage to completely cover up spots and get the perfect eyeliner flick. 
I've had my makeup done a few times for various photo shoots and things. And um, quite a few times I'll have done my makeup first and you think, okay, that's probably the best I can do. And then they'll literally have a few swishes of a a blusher brush. Uh, They'll just dab on a little bit of concealer and suddenly I'm a whole new person. It's absolutely amazing. So I really, really believe it is such a skill. Um, I'm so excited for uh, the next guest on the podcast internationally famous Wendy Rose. She is a makeup artist. She's done so many famous people's, uh, well, faces, really. She's done their makeup for them. Wendy, it's so lovely to have you on the podcast. Are you well? I'm good. I'm I'm busy, busy sorting out my stuff. I'm off to Paris, Madrid, then back to Paris. Oh, gosh, because it is a fashion week season, isn't it? Yes, we're starting rolling into that now. So, Wendy, tell me about um, when you first sort of realised that you had like a fascination with sort of makeup and all things beauty. Um, I think it was when I was young. I don't necessarily think it was makeup as a whole. I liked pictures of models, you know, and and I couldn't figure out, you know, why they look so good. You know, I used to look at um, Just Seventeen and Smash Hits and, you know, and Elle and Nineteen and all things like that. Um, I hadn't progressed to the folks at that point. But, you know, it was, um, I suppose, a lot of music as well. They had a lot of looks, you know, musicians at the time, like um, uh, Banana Rama. You know, I remember one of my key things that I liked was um, Robert Palmer with the girls in the background playing the guitar. You know, uh, Madonna. Everyone had a look and I just didn't, I wanted to know, how they kind of got it together and it was kind of a I want to say a collaboration between the hair clothes and makeup so I suppose that's what drove me into that and I would always do products on fashion when I was like I don't know eight and I had a girl's world Never looked like it did on the box. Just understand <laughs> why that was. It was really annoying. Oh, but now it? I know because this is what I do for a living. Yeah, the girls' um, world. Were they the heads where you could do like the hair yeah, and you could braid the hair and then do, do the their hair, makeup as the well? Makeup. And my mum used to do hair at home, but uh, she was never trained. Um, so, and she used to like perm people's hair and colour it. And even can't actually be really <laughs> because she was never trained. Um, um, yeah, it's kind of a, a little sideline she had going on. It was weird, oh. but of course, um, you know, um, I was interested in that. I had really straight hair, and I wanted to have not straight hair. So you know, and I wanted to colour my hair because kind of I came on the back of punk, and it was a bit like I wanted to do them extreme things. Of course, I ended up just putting the felt tips from the girl's world in my fringe or then washing (laughs) colours that you get in sachets that say you can have red hair and it's just a little bit mahogany (laughs) if you're lucky. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I suppose, yeah. So I I suppose I was into the kind of transforming of things and I I liked that. And how did you actually get into it? I mean, obviously, you've just said that you were sort of inspired by your mum. But how did you go from, you know, just uh, playing with your girls world to being like an internationally famous, you know, makeup artist to the stars? Oh, no, it's strange, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I uh, I actually studied to do um, graphics. And so I worked on a lot of uh, fashion brands at the time, like uh, Jaeger. So it was very picture-driven with models 
and graphics layouts. And I just found that that became a little bit, well, it just wasn't creative enough for me. Um, I'm very good at doing practical stuff. And one of my friends at school um, who was older than me was a hairdresser and he moved to Paris, you know, which was quite radical then. And he was like, you know, I was bored with my job and it was summer and we were sitting in my back garden laying on the sun loungers. And he's like, why don't you do makeup and then we can go on trips together? Because that's what he was doing, going on trips. And um, he was like, we could go on trips together. And it was the kind of era of the supermodel. And I was like, oh, yeah, and then I could like do a Linda Evangelista. And because he turned out, I mean, I was completely naive. And I just thought, oh, my God. So I'd left doing graphics and I, I went traveling. And then I got a massive tax rebate. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to put myself through makeup school. So I'd done that. I mean, it only lasted like, I don't know, uh, three months course my parents were really my dad was really like what are you doing you had a proper job and then I started to get my own jobs you know for a photo library you know doing headshots for dancers and stuff and I, I always wanted to do fashion so I would be testing trying to make pictures like fashion pictures for my book and go and see agencies and loads of them refused and said you know you've got a lot of work to do and you know but I just kept on I just was not gonna let it go and but I always wanted to do fashion so then I you know you meet people along the way and and I said look you know I really want to assist on the shows in London and I'll do it for nothing because I just wanted to get in and so I assisted loads of different people just to get in and then one of my friends who was much more established than me who um, I made friends with he said to me listen Wendy if you really want to do fashion you need to say that you're going to be in Milan Paris and New York and you're willing to assist for free to get on someone's team and you you need to pay for yourself and luckily I've been doing music so I made a little bit of money I just contacted everyone and said I'm going to be in Paris um I'd love to be on a team I'll do it for nothing and so I done that Paris Milan um which was super scary for me and New York what happens is when you start to get on people's teams then you meet other makeup artists and other hairdressers and then you make connections and stuff like that but I paid for myself for like two years what happened was every time I'd go to a city everyone would like book me so I could do like up to four shows a day with different people so it would be like sometimes Pat, Dick Page, Kevin Alquan, Francois Nars um, so I just try and rack up as many shows as I could so at least I, I kind of broke even even if I didn't make any money. Gosh so real like persistence there basically. Yes yes. Um, I mean you've already mentioned some incredible names uh, but you really have worked with like the stars I mean you've done Victoria Beckham's makeup Kate Moss as well do you ever get intimidated working with you know people that are so famous? Well, the funny thing is, I actually done the first Spice Girls video back oh in the day. Oh my gosh, I that mean, is a claim I had to no fame. Idea who they were. <laughs> I was, uh, I was put to do this video. It was the wannabe video. I got there, and it was a girl band, you know. And this was kind of the time of boy bands, girl band. And I was a bit like, I don't know who anyone is, you know. And they didn't have their names like Sporty, Baby, Posh, or anything like this. This was right at the beginning. So, you know, I was trying to do, like, these five girls on my own. I mean, I don't know how I attempted that, but I did. Um, naivety. And I worked with Victoria after that for uh, years later when she'd left the Spice Girls. Um, 
and she just had her first baby. But she didn't remember me, and and that was fine because you know obviously their career blossomed since then, and they'd been around the world and God knows what. And then she actually contacted um, me, my agent, because she'd seen a lot of work that I'd been doing. And she's very up on photography and stuff. She liked what I was doing with this certain photographer. And and then we started to work together. And probably a year into it, I said to her, you know, I'd done the first Spice Girls video, right? And she was like, oh, my God, I didn't. And I was like, yeah. So it kind of comes, some things come around in a full circle. And we're really good friends. And, you know, because we've both uh, been doing it a long time. Most person I was intimidated by, I remember getting really nervous doing Nicole Kidman. Um, I don't know why I'm now looking back. <laughs> but it's really funny. You hit these pinnacle points in your career where I used to get really, really, really anxious. And I don't know what happened, but something changed and I don't get that anymore. It just disappeared. And I can't see when that happened. But I do remember getting really um, anxious before I'd done Nicole. When you, um, when you are confident, when you know that you've done some things that are kind of near enough not impossible, but there's nothing you can't deal with. I know I'm good. Put me in any situation and I can close the deal. As a makeup artist, Wendy, do you sort of feel that pressure to look good yourself every day? Well, um, I suppose I never used to. (laughs) But obviously, you know, because it's my career, um, I'm interested in it. So, um, I, you know, I want to have good skin and uh, I want to be able to look good because I like you promote what you do, the way you look. It's like having a trainer that doesn't have the body that you want. You're not going to go to them. So I feel like if I walk in and someone thinks, oh, they look good or their makeup looks nice, then they're going to trust me instantly. Over the last couple of years, there's been this sort of like anti-makeup campaign, if I can call it that. You know, Alicia Keys famously didn't wear any makeup on the red carpet. Well, (laughs) you know, that was my question. I was going to say, so do you feel worried that, you know, eventually so many women will stop wearing makeup that you'll be out of a job? (laughs) No, no, I don't. I I don't think it's a big enough trend. Um, When I started doing makeup uh, in magazines, it was the grunge era and I'd turn up, you know, because... I wanted to get some tear sheets from my portfolio to show that I can do makeup. And everyone would say to me, oh, we don't want any makeup. And I think, oh, God, you know what I mean? So what I'd done is I've just perfected doing gorgeous skin and a kind of eyes and stuff and making it look like there was no makeup. So even if you wanted to wear no makeup, I could make it look like you're not wearing any makeup but you just look amazing. So I know that is kind of niche that I've carved out for myself anyway. You know, and some people just don't want to wear makeup and that's cool too, you know. It's yeah. all personal choice. Yeah, that's their decision. Um, yeah. So we're asking everyone on the podcast, same two questions, Wendy. What is your yeah. number one beauty tip that all of us sort of non-makeup artists can bring into our everyday life? Take your makeup off. Right, okay. That's such that a simple one. super important to take it off because if you don't have a good base 
canvas to do your makeup, it's never going to look good. Yes. Skincare is equally as important, isn't it? Keeping yes, the skin yes. clean. And what's your absolutely, like, no way, Jose, I'm not putting that on my face. <laughs> um, anything heavily perfumed, uh, my skin would react to it. And I, I don't use anything that's got perfume in it. It's just not good for my skin and I, and I can't risk it on anyone else either yeah. so if it's not good for me i'm not going to use it and your face doesn't even need to smell nice anyway like who's smelling no, exactly. your face so i mean no one cares. goes around sniffing <laughs> yeah exactly and just finally as well uh your desert island um item from your makeup bag what would it be you're only allowed one thing for the rest of your life what would it be moisturizer really so not a makeup yeah. item at all skincare <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you hate dry yeah, skin. Yeah, because you know what? If I'm on my own, <laughs> who's going to care? But if my skin looks great, um, you can always, you always look good. Oh, well, thank you so much, Wendy. It's been so nice speaking to you. Yeah, um, well, thanks for um, inviting me. Oh, and of course, you can go and buy Wendy's book now as well. Uh, it's called Eat Beautiful. Um, you can buy it in all good bookshops. Thank you so much. Right. I'm sorry. I'm I'm not one to name drop or really go on about having met a famous person, but oh my God, I just spoke to Wendy Rowe, who did the Spice Girls makeup in the wannabe video. How cool is that? Oh, what an absolute legend. Um, so lovely speaking to Wendy Rowe and hopefully inspiring for any of you that want to, uh, you know, become makeup artists or go into the fashion and beauty world. Um, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. As always, um, I just can't believe that so many of you listen. I can't believe that anyone listens. So it really means the world to me that you do. Um, please, please don't forget to go and enter the giveaway. All you have to do is write a little uh, review of the podcast on the iTunes app. All the details will be on my Twitter um, and my Instagram as well, at Davis. Loads of stuff to be won in the giveaway, so why would you not enter? And I'll be back soon uh, with more The Female Struggle Is Real. Is Real. 